Our second reading this morning is the story of that first Palm Sunday coming from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. Friends, let us hear now what God is saying to the church. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the ground, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth and Galilee. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, on this beautiful day as we are gathered here together, be with us. Still the to-do lists that run through our minds and calm our fidgeting hands and open our hearts to hear you this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So if you were around the church on Wednesday afternoon or perhaps you were one of those unlucky ones that got stopped right in front of the church along King's Way in that traffic that brought the whole island pretty much to a standstill. You might have seen or heard the 50 or so kids who were around practicing for this morning, either in the sanctuary or out on the front lawn. We practice singing, we practice playing the orfs and the hand chimes, we practice where we would walk in from and where we would stand with our right age groups out on the front steps of the church, which inevitably bled into some playing out on that front lawn. We practice processing in. We practice waving our palms. We practice where to stand along those pews like they did for the choir to come through. We practice coming up to these front steps to sing, and we practice where we would go after we sang. The volume in here was loud on Wednesday afternoon, and you could tell that spring break is right around the corner. It was organized chaos. The adults and the youth kids crew leaders were all looking around at each other with the same expression, this kind of anxiously hopeful face. 
that the practice would be enough. Now, in the midst of that organized chaos, I couldn't help but wonder if this had any resemblance to what that first Palm Sunday parade looked like. I wondered if any disciples went ahead instructing the clouds to wave. I wonder if they were sitting in the back saying, shout Hosanna louder. And then I wonder if the crowds knew that their savior was the one coming that day as they gathered. Each year, thousands of Jews would flock to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Jesus' coming to Jerusalem was not unusual, and him coming wasn't particularly groundbreaking. He and his disciples stop just outside the city, and he sends them on ahead to retrieve a donkey as he rides in to the shouts of Hosanna. As people place their cloaks on the ground and wave their palm branches, we know that story quite well, and we reenact that parade almost every year. There's a story, though, that we don't know so well, and it was happening just on the other side of town. The book, The Last Week, What the Gospels Really Teach Us About Jesus's Last Day in Jerusalem by Marcus Borg and John Dominic Crossan offer us that other story. They wonder if Jesus's parade into Jerusalem was a well-executed joke at the expense of the Roman government. Their whole argument is that what we often consider to be a spontaneous event of adoration as Jesus walked into Jerusalem was in fact an anti-imperial demonstration designed to mock the obscene pomp and circumstance of Rome. Does that make you a little uncomfortable too? It makes me a little uncomfortable. The research revealed that there would have been a different kind of parade happening alongside the Palm Parade. The Roman governor would have ridden into the city from their coastal residence in the west to be present as Jerusalem's population swelled from 50,000 people to upwards of 200,000 people gathering there for the Passover festival. And the Roman governors rode in style. They rode with an entourage. Think big horses, stallions, bridles in ornate armor, dust stirring as the soldiers were marching into the city to the steady beat as their shoes hit the ground and their armor clanked against itself. Pilate's procession into Rome from the west signaled that there was indeed a military threat to the people of Jerusalem. Don't mess up, because the army is here. And then there's Jesus and his band of disciples. Do you ever wonder how Jesus knew that there would be a donkey waiting up ahead for his disciples to go and retrieve that day? That prophecy came from Zechariah, and Jesus knew that prophecy well. Maybe Jesus put the donkey there. Jesus is carried into Jerusalem on the back of a humble, not glamorous, and not scary donkey to the sounds of hosannas, with people taking off their cloaks and laying them on the ground 
showing Jesus that he is welcome here as he passes through. Alongside Rome's show of like, chest out, intimidating power and authority, Jesus's entry into Jerusalem was an intentional act of meekness, of kindness, and humility as he took a few steps closer to the cross that day. Jesus's parade shows us that leadership is humility, lordship is servanthood, kingship is kindness, love is humble. I think we have a tendency to leave the story there and pick it up exactly one week from now when this space will be filled with hydrangeas and the chancel will be full of extra musicians and the pews will be full of all of you dressed to the nines in your best Easter pastels. Because what comes next in this story of Jesus' life is not triumphant. It's dark. It's painful. It's hard. What will happen next is another unveiling of the sinfulness that is in humanity and the sinfulness that plagues us still. This week feels like a vivid reminder of that sinfulness, both locally in our own community and just eight hours away up in Nashville. Now, on Tuesday afternoon, when I picked up my girls from school, they go to school here, just down the hall. I picked them up from their school that's at the church where I serve as a pastor. And there were tears streaming down my face in the car on the way home as Molly Claire sang Moana in the back as I thought about another pastor who wasn't able to pick up his daughter from the church school that he serves as a pastor because of an event that we just cannot make sense of. Pain and suffering is still in this world. And today, as Jesus parades into Jerusalem, whether it was planned or spontaneous, Jesus teaches us a new way. With eyes toward the cross, Jesus teaches us a new way of love, of community, and hope. Because grace prevails. Love will indeed prevail. The word Hosanna or Hosanna is a rare Aramaic word. It does not appear frequently. In fact, the only time we find it is in those four Gospels, and it only appears around Jesus' entry into the city of Jerusalem. Hosanna is an expression of praise that translates, to save us, I pray. It's striking to me how just six days later, churches across the country, across the world, will wave palms and most, like ours, will teach our children of the church to say Hosanna, to say save us, I pray. Friends, I hope we will join them in that prayer. I hope that as we waved our palms this morning and as we sang too, we will see the image of God that is in each of us and we will show one another that same love that Christ shows us. This holy day that begins with such joy and such hope 
as Jesus, the one they are calling the Messiah, the ones who the prophets prophesied over, the one who did indeed come to save us, leads to an ending that is filled with such heartbreak. Surely Jesus knew parading into Jerusalem, even as humble as it was, would get Rome's attention and not in a good way. Rome valued power, dominance, and strength. But Jesus' journey into Jerusalem teaches us that God values love, and showing love is costly. The world is filled with sin. Hate seeps in. Self-preservation takes over. Children of God who Christ has called beloved do sinful acts. This week has been so evident of that. Yet because of God's love for humanity, because that love is bigger than we can imagine or even make sense of, Jesus, who is filled with forgiveness, accepted torture and execution on the cross because it was God's will. We know that mere days later, the crowds that waved with joy, and maybe even it was some of the same people who took their cloaks off and placed them on the ground before Jesus could pass through on that donkey, will chant, crucify him. As good as we are, we still have fickle hearts. We know that Jesus' journey to the cross ends in death. But we also know that sin does not get the last word. Death does not get the last word. Like the crowd that gathered that day in Jerusalem, waving their palms and shouting Hosanna, we too have hope that the Messiah is here. We have hope that God will continue to save us from sin and the hate that plagues us still. When we wave these palms every year, we remember that peace and reconciliation are ongoing. And when the parade ends, whether it was organized chaos or something that went off just like it was supposed to, that's when the real work of showing God's love begins. Because friends, God's love is still here. This week, as we remember the cost of that grace, we are assured. I pray that we remember we are also a community. And we are a community of Christ that is made in love. God created each of us in the image of God. And I pray that we are bold enough to proclaim that love in the face of hate. I pray that God will continue to give us grace when we fall short. And I pray that God will hear us again as we shout, Hosanna, save us, I pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.